views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WSIC. All systems are a go. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Taking care of Iredell with North Carolina State Representative Jeff McNeely is about to begin in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, Iredell County. I'm going to get my headset working here. All right, here we go. We're getting ready to get going. If I can get live. Anyway, hey, Joe, if you would, see if you can text any questions. Put that comment in there for me. All right, all right, we're ready now. We're ready. Good morning, everybody. It's taking care of Iredell with Representative Jeff McNeil. I hope everybody's doing well. It's a little hot, and we're trying to get ourselves on Facebook so we can get rolling this morning. Hey, got a heck of a good show today. They always are, all of them, but this one may be even specialer. Is that a word, Joe? Specialer? I think it is, you know. Or special. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, got Miss North Carolina, uh, Taylor Lloyd, homegrown girl here from Iredell County, uh, going to be on. She was Miss Statesville. You got me up and going cool. All right, now we're going to watch and see what's happening here. So anyway, just go ahead and give us a holler in if you want to talk. First part of the show, 704-873-1400. Uh, just a couple things. want to start going down the list. A lot of going on right now. A lot of going on. Um want everybody to please keep the people over in Hawaii and Maui, Lahaina, which is one of the towns on the little island of Maui, a uh, beautiful little town. Uh, many, many years ago, went there on a honeymoon, and uh, looking back at Main Street now and some of the places we ate and shopped and did, and, and they're gone. Uh, so sad, and life, loss of life is, is growing and growing, unfortunately. So please keep uh, all the people of, of, of Hawaii uh, in your prayers, uh, and especially Maui and Lahana, uh, beautiful place. Uh, so sad to see what's happened. So sad. Um, well, we're going back to work, folks. Uh, I've been home now for about three weeks, uh, sweating it out at the feed mill. Trust me, it's been fun. Uh, wish we could have done this back in April and took off when the weather was nicer, but that's the way it goes. Got a lot of work to do, but the budget is getting really close. Uh, the word on the street is sometime about the middle of September it's going to be done. Uh, trying to iron out a little bit of the technical difficulties here and there. So bear with us. We do have some bills to override on some vetoes. Uh, we have uh, the women's sports bill where it's just allowing women to play women, uh, keeping any men out of there. So we have that bill. Also, we have the Parents' Bill of Rights, which is a very important bill. Uh, it's going to give parents a lot of say in their child's education and also uh, also with their uh, health uh, as far as being able to get all the information that's out there on what's going on with their child. Uh, right now, the way it is, the school system's not necessarily telling the parents everything that the child's uh, health is involved in. So that's going to be important, I feel like. Uh, also, uh, we have the uh, school choice bill coming up, and that's an important one for a lot of people. So we'll see how that gets funded. Um, we had about a $3 billion surplus uh, from last physical year, plus about $1.17 billion coming back from last year's budget. So um, where we, <clears throat> you know, the agencies did a good job. We had a lot of money in last year's budget. Some of it was given to us. Some of it would come from just the state of North Carolina and surplus uh, of what we needed. So, uh, you know, we're looking at ways to try to increase our tax package and get uh, more back to the taxpayers, let them keep it, 
not even get it back, but let them keep it. So uh, working on that in the budget, but we got to be careful and not go too far too fast because we're just one part of the economy in North Carolina. You have the federal side of it, too, so always remember that. But got a lot of good things going on, uh, so uh, it's we're not broke. We have money, and uh, we're going to have to figure out how to spend it wisely, and we will do that. And that's one of the reasons this took so long, to make sure we are going to do this right. So just bear with us. A lot of chatter out there right now about Republicans this, can't get along that and whatnot. But, you know, there's a there's a whole lot of cooks looking at trying to make one recipe in this budget. And we got to make sure we bake the cake just right. So just let us know that uh, we're, doing a, we're doing the best we can to try to get it right. Uh, something important happened here just over last week. U.S. House of Representative Dan Bishop. Uh, from I think it's uh, the eighth district uh, has now entered, put his name in for the attorney general's race, and there's good people already in there on the Republican side. Tom Murray, Sam Hayes, I know both of them. I know Sam well. He's uh, the lawyer kind of for our might as well say our caucus in the House for that matter. Uh, both of them quality candidates do fine. Dan Bishop will be a great AG. Uh, and Dan's been down in, uh, he was in Raleigh for a bit and served with him. He was in the Senate. I was in the House. And then he went on and ran for Congress and just can't say enough good things. Um, I will say this, though, and like myself sometimes, Dan speaks his mind, and uh, some people don't like to hear it. And I think he realizes he's going to struggle going forward with the management or upper management that's in the House of Representatives right now with McCarthy and whatnot, and Dan feels like he can do more good for the state of North Carolina and the Attorney General's office here than he can. And, folks, it's been forever. I actually thought we had never had an Attorney General uh, that was a Republican, but now from what I understand, in like 1892 or something like that, we actually did. And I'm thinking it might have actually been an appointed. So I don't know if we ever have had an elected Attorney General. That's a Republican in the state of North Carolina. If we have, it's been a long, long, long time. So uh, any of those men are good men, but uh, Dan Bishop would do an excellent job. And I hope to get Dan on the show. Um, he's a member of the Freedom Caucus up there in D.C., and, and he's held a hard line. He was pretty upset about uh, the way the budget deal went down as far as raising the debt ceiling. Uh, he was very adamant about cutting $4 trillion out over the next 10 years, and somehow or another we ended up adding four trillion spending over the next 10 years that's an eight trillion dollar swing any way you do the math so uh anyway but uh good luck to all that are out there running for attorney general force in north carolina but uh hopefully get dan bishop on and look forward to that um well and like i said anybody wants to call in and talk about something hey love to hear from you getting ready to go on a break here in about two minutes but love to hear from you right after the eleven fifteen break uh well finch ratings system has downgraded the United States of America from triple A to double A plus. First time ever that now all three of the different rating uh, factors, companies, you'll call them whatever, uh, have downgraded us. Uh, Standard and Poor's had already downgraded us back in the uh, about 2010-2012. But now Finch has. And you know, a lot of people say, okay, we're, we're down from AAA to AA+. Plus. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that uh, the people are looking at us across the whole world and realizing we're not doing a very good job of governing. Uh, 
we're spending way too much and our deficit is out of control and nobody's willing to step up and stop this madness and correct it. We're just spending more and more. And I've said this many times on the show in the past. We've, we're approaching to where our interest payment is $1 trillion a year, folks. I mean, it's just craziness. It's just craziness. So uh, this will be interesting to see. Like I said, House p- passed that bill, $8 trillion more spending now set up in this budget negotiation that went through the debt ceiling. Uh, I just don't know where this madness is going to stop and uh, it troubles me we're 32 trillion dollars in debt and and there's no holding back of the federal government so uh, uh, pray for this country uh, and pray that the leaders understand that we need to be physically conservative in our approach to try to fix this so we got a lot of issues to take care of but like I said going from triple A to double A plus. I know when I was county commissioner, I was kind of the one I felt like they kept the eye to make sure that we kept our fund balance where we could stay at a triple A rating and not fall. So it's critical in all levels of government. All right, we'll be right back here right after the 15 break and stay tuned and give us a holler. All right. All right, back here for the next 15 minute part of the show. I think we got a caller. We're going to take him, Joe, and see who we got here. Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got? Hey, Jeff. Good morning. This is William. How are you today? Hey, William. I'm good. You're getting where you're being pretty faithful. I like talking with you. What you got on your mind this morning? I tell you, we we are in a mail of a house. <laughs> Ain't no doubt we are that. And the unfortunate thing about it is, the only one that I think that we can get back up there to get things and turned in the right direction. Is the one that they're trying to keep out of there because mm. they know if he gets back up there that he's going to fire everybody because they would lose their jobs. So that's one way of looking at it. The candidates that are running for the Republican side of things that possibly could be conservative to the point of where we can get things turned around, I just don't know if they're mean enough because we got a lot of mean, bad stuff going on up there in Washington, D.C., and there's two of them, in my opinion, um, might do a good job up there, but they've already been up there once before, and they know what the chaos is. And then the other one, I'm not going to name any names, but he's from Florida. Yeah. Uh, he, um, I don't think his heart's in it, Jeff. And I'm sorry, I can't vote for somebody that's not going to try to do the job. And he's doing a real good job down there in Florida. And that's where maybe he needs to stay and keep that state free down there. Um, so I don't know. We're just we're we're up against it here because they're going to keep coming with indictment after indictment oh, after yeah. indictment, you know, until something sticks. Yeah. And let's face it, this thing that happened in 21, in my opinion, those people that were up there protesting, uh, there might have been some legitimate people protesting for their reasons but that one guy that came out of the car that had the bull horns or buffalo horns that idiot and the rest of them were paid to go up there to make things look bad oh instigated yeah yeah yeah. we all know that i mean anybody's got any common sense ought to know that yeah so the ones that were good protesters they left because i've talked to some of those people 
and they left. When they seen all that stuff going on, they left. Yeah. Um, so there's that, you know, and that's what it is. That's what it boils down to, Jeff. These yeah. people are just trying to go after Donald Trump because they don't want him back up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, it uh, looks like Georgia's getting ready to put down some kind of indictment. you got a Democrat attorney general down there, and so she's going to do her part to the party. It looks like everybody else has chipped in, the one in New York, and so so forth and so on. I'm sure Josh Stein, being a Democrat, he'll probably get Donald Trump for seatbelt violation as he drove through the state sometime back in the you know 2020 or somewhere in there. So they're all going to go after him one way or another. That's what their, their plan is. And, and you know, I, I, I can't understand if the, the plan's to indict or if the plan is to incite or if the plan is they think they, that they can they, that will rile their base and they can beat him so they want him to make I, I don't know what the plan is over there and it may be they have no real plan they just know they want to go after Donald Trump with everything they got I'm not sure well they just want to keep everything like it is like they're going up there in Washington D.C. and anybody that tries to buck up against that they want them out of there they want to get rid of them you know in the cancel culture that we live in nowadays if you're not a part of the agenda of what they think the agenda should be, out the door you go. Yeah, just always remember this on January the 6th. Nancy Pelosi, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer, but also Mitch McConnell, and I think McCartney was the was the minority leader in the House. All these people were given information by the Baltimore FBI division, said that there was a high probability that there would be violence and a problem on January the 6th and actually recommended that they bring in the National Guard or more enforcement, more law enforcement, whatever it took. And all four of those, both sides, agreed that, that the line coming out of Pelosi's office was that would make a bad look on the United States of America for us to militarize that area on that day. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so you know, this was the Pearl Harbor effect. Really, we sucked Japan into attacking us by starving them. Not saying they wouldn't anyway, but we kind of—it's kind of the setup. It's the setup. It exactly is, Jeff. And it, you know, the whole thing, in my opinion, is that if Donald Trump that day, if he would have just stomped his foot down and said, "All right, enough's enough," and I know he kind of tried to a little bit, but anyway, if he'd have just said, "Enough's enough." and brought reinforcements in and told everybody to get out of there, use their butts for a broom and their heads for a mop out the door kind of thing, like a, you know, cleaning house at a bar somewhere when things get stupid, just clean everybody out of there and shut it down. If he had done that, the outlook of this January 6th insurrection would have been different. Oh, yeah. Something different. Yeah, Yeah, a lot lot of monkey business, a lot of monkey business going on. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, regardless if they keep him tied up in the courts and possibly even putting him behind bars. I don't know. I mean, because right now the rest of the candidates are running. I just don't think they're mean enough, Jeff. And I know that sounds mean to say that, but there's going to have to be somebody that's going to have to be mean to deal with all that mess that's going on up there in Washington, D.C., because that's all it is. Well, and, and, you know, I'll say this. Donald Trump didn't fire enough the last time. That was it. He got rid of some at the top, but you got to go six and seven and eight layers deep in cleaning the house and the bureaucracy that we have in D.C. It's it's there. It's entrenched. They don't call it the deep state for nothing. That's that's right. It's entrenched. All right. Hey, good talking with you, William. All right. You take care, Jeff. All right, man. See you. See you. All right. Um, 
jumping in real quick on a couple different things here. One, uh, over the weekend, kind of odd, I felt like, uh, on a Sunday vote, the North Carolina State Board of Elections uh, voted to recognize the No Labels Party. And it was a four-to-one vote. So that means actually one Republican voted to do this. Um, felt it kind of odd that it happened on a Sunday, but I don't understand how their parliamentary procedure works on the State Board of Elections, so maybe that was normal. Doesn't seem normal. But anyway, they had to vote, and the only thing I can figure is is one side thinks that it's going to take votes away from the Republicans, and I guess one of the Republicans thinks it's going to take votes away from the Democrats. So it would be curious to see exactly how that happens. After they gave the Green Party so much crap, now they're going ahead and affiliating another party in there. So theoretically, I think there'll be six different parties could have a presidential candidate on a North Carolina ballot now with this. So just thought that was a little interesting here. We're trying to figure out how this plays. I think one of the reasons the Democrats got excited is is Pat McCrory's name come up, and they thought, hmm, that may take votes away from Mark Robinson and help Josh Stein get in. So beware, folks. Beware. Trojan horses everywhere you turn around. If you don't understand that metaphor, then go read your mythical Greek <laughs> or ancient <laughs> philosophies or whatever. Anyway, uh, one other thing, uh, Hunter Biden uh, is kind of back in the news. He now has a special counsel to look into his, uh, uh, I guess, wayward affairs. And also, and I'm not talking about with ladies, I'm talking about monetarily here, uh, but to look into it, uh, the funny thing is, is they actually chose, uh, Garland, uh, Merrick Garland chose the same person that just cut Hunter Biden, his plea deal, to be the special counsel. This is the same person that spent five years trying to figure out whether the laptop that he left in a shop was real whether all these different money laundering schemes that's come through his banking accounts actually justified dodging taxes. And most of the things he did in that five years was allow this statute of limitations to run out so that it would be hard to charge him. And now we've made him special counsel over the deal. Hmm. Does that make a lot of sense, folks? No. So... This is all a dog and pony show that they're going to tromp around. And guess what? They're going to end up coming out and saying that Hunter Biden doesn't even have to do a plea deal. He's completely innocent now. He's innocent of all this. Just wait. It ain't over. This is how politics works when you got a, a weaponized uh, Department of Justice that is doing your uh, hench work for you. And that is exactly what's happening with the Biden administration right now. So just... Uh, just thinking a little bit of craziness. On a closer local front of craziness also, folks, a um, good friend of mine, Representative Trisha Coffin from down in Mecklenburg, she's the lady that w was a Democrat and switched over to the Republican Party here a couple months ago, continues her and her family to be terrorized by the crazy left. Uh, this time, her mother, who I know well, long-serving county commissioner down in Mecklenburg, Path Cotton, Coffin, good lady, and one of Patricia's sons were out in Pat's car, uh, uh, one of Patricia's grandsons, uh, one of Trisha's uh, sons were out in her car, and a lady got into a road raid incident with him, trying to run him off the road, uh, 
proceeded to shoot him the bird multiple times, blowing the horn, swerving, doing all kind of crazy stuff. Folks, have we lost our daggum minds? Uh, I, I, you know, it's and, and it's all because Pat had a bumper sticker on the back of her car, and I guess they just assumed it was Trisha not making that right at all. But you know, this is what we I guess we do nowadays. We 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 harass, we uh, we physically try to harm people that we don't agree with on their political ideology. Have we lost our minds? What kind of society have we become here? This is what happens in third world countries. This is how we go about it. This is You do not, I repeat, you do not try to intimidate elected officials and the things that are going on. Because this is what happens in dictatorships and crazy places in South America and Russia and all this other stuff that you see in the world. That's not America. That's not what we're about. All right, folks, stay tuned. We got... Uh, Taylor Lloyd coming on. Hang in there. It's going to be good. All right, folks, we're back here getting ready to see if we can bring our guest on. Joe, see if we can get a uh, Miss Taylor Lloyd, are you there? Yes, I am. Can All right. you hear me? Yes, I can. You sound wonderful. You sound wonderful. How are you this Thank morning? Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Now, are you back at school yet? Has, has Chapel Hill started back yet? Chapel Hill starts back in a couple weeks, but honestly, I am, uh, with the job of Miss North Carolina, I am always running around, so I'm never quite just settled in one place, which is just all right with me, but I'm glad that I only have um, a couple classes to finish up, and my schedule is going to be really easy to, to continue that traveling around the state. All right, and, and, and I've kind of maybe let the kid out of the bag that you're still in college. So, Well, i tell you what, for those people <laughs> who don't know you, and they should, but they don't know you, tell us, <laughs> who is Taylor Lloyd? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and give us a little history on you. Well, I guess if you, if you look me up on the Internet, you'll see that I'm Miss North Carolina. Um, and, and a lot of the big things about me in my life have really factored into me being able to accomplish that. Um, but I'm a musician. I've been singing since I was four years old. Um, I'm an opera singer. I'm an arts advocate, um, all, looked in, all hooked into that. Um, I also am studying psychology at UNC, and so I'm really passionate about mental health and wellness. Um, but I also really love spending quality time with the people that I love in my life, my family. I'm really um, proud that all of, um, you know, my, my grandparents are from Iredell County. And, and so uh, being able to represent Statesville and being really close to my family is something that's really special to me. Um, and I also have a cat. <laughs> but I love uh, traveling and exploring, especially around uh, North Carolina. And I get to do a lot of that as Miss North Carolina. Well, uh, and, and just, you're going to be busy. My dear, you are going to be so yes. busy this coming year. It's going to be incredible, and uh, everybody's going to want you at every place. And and so anyway, <laughs> and now you live down in the Mooresville area, correct? Yes, I grew up in Mooresville. Was born in Mooresville, raised there, um, and so my family's lived there since. And um, so so yeah, yeah, it's been a really wonderful place to grow up. And I was just on the phone with one of my best friends from high school um, right before I called in here. 
and we always talk about how every time we come home it always feels like there's something new to do something new to experience so it's literally impossible to get tired of your hometown uh, when you go back and you visit because Mooresville is just experiencing some really incredible growth right now yes, and it it's been really exciting to, to see all that and now all right uh and so your pathway to become miss north carolina was miss stageful uh talk a little bit about that because there's some history there in your family that people may not realize the connection yes so my mom was miss statesville 1992 so exactly 30 years before i was crowned miss statesville she was crowned miss statesville um Randolph County, so I'm pretty sure she had never been to Statesville, but she really was passionate about wanting to make it to the Miss North Carolina State. So for those of you who aren't familiar with how the process works, you have to enter a local preliminary competition and win that in order to qualify for the next level. So it's like it's kind of like how sports are. You know, if you want to make it to the next level, you have to qualify, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the bottom up. And so my mom went to Statesville, won Miss Statesville. My dad at the time was on the committee. And so, um, you know, he was pulled into that by one of his teachers at North Idol High School. Um, and I think he was originally just pulled in because he was a football player and he could carry around the heavy step around the state. Um, but then once they figured out <laughs> we that need he that. You need was that. a singer and, yeah, uh, when they figured out he was a singer and, and um, was, like, passionate about the organization as well. Um, he stuck around. They kept him around. So fast forward, my mom was missing, so my dad's on the committee, and they get to know each other, and they ended up getting married. And um, so growing up, for me, a lot of women who get involved with the Miss North Carolina or Miss America organization um, from a young age, it's because they started as a what's now being rebranded as a little sister, which is a non-competitive mentorship program for girls age 5 to 12. Cool. Um, so if there's any listeners who have who have little girls that want to get on stage and have no stress about it, but, but, um, but to just try something new, um, that's a great opportunity. Um, but I wasn't involved in that way. I was exposed to the organization through what I saw that it did for my parents. You know, my mom got one of her first big jobs because um, she had made a connection as Miss Statesville that allowed her to go into, you know, become employed at the buyer's office at Belk. Um, and so, and, and, and getting to know all of the people that were so integral to, to them, um, that are still really close with them, and um, now I'm able to work with on a daily basis is really awesome, just that legacy that I'm able to experience. So, yeah, I mean, I begged my parents to let me do pageants for a long time because I was like, oh, this is going to be the really, this is going to be something really cool for my life. It's going to bring me friends and people and, and opportunities. But they said to me, you know, if, if, yes, it does come with a lot of opportunities and that's something to be serious about. And so they said, if you're going to, if you're saying that you want to do this, then that means you really have to work for it. So uh, I competed in my first Miss America organization pageant at age 15 after doing some, some practice pageants starting at age 13, because at the end of the day, I really wanted to become Miss North Carolina, become Miss America. And so that become that starts um, on a local, on a local stage. So I competed in, um, the teen organization, which is for ages 13 to 18 um, or 17, depending on when your birthday is. Um, and I absolutely gained so much. And I really wanted to be Miss Statesville's Outstanding Teen, but which was the name of the teen title at the time. 
Um, but they're, they're, they were not having a teen pageant at that time. Um, and so I represented Rowan County and then I thought I followed that by representing the Carolina Foothills region, um, followed by representing Charlotte in the teen state pageant. Um, and I always did relatively well. I, I came close a couple times. I mean, walked away with a couple thousand dollars in scholarship money, well, but good. I never won. I never won that title, which was, which was hard for me, right? When you're a teenager and you hear people say no and then no again, um, that's challenging. But um, again, the end goal was always Miss North Carolina, Miss America. So when I decided I wanted to jump back into competing as a Miss, which is for ages 18 to 28, there's a big, uh, there's a big age range there. Yeah. Um, I, I decided to wait until I was mostly done with college because I, I wanted to give it my all. And I really wanted to go to Miss North Carolina as Miss Statesville and not just that, but win Miss North Carolina as Miss Statesville. So I thought about it and I was like, okay, if I go and I compete in Miss Statesville, and that qualifies me to compete at Miss North Carolina and I don't win Miss North Carolina on my first try representing Statesville, well, that's that that might be hard for me because I really wanted to bring that win back to Statesville. Um, and so I knew that that kind of put, I had to put more pressure on myself because that was a part of that accomplishment for me was being the first Miss Statesville to become Miss North Carolina. That's big. To, to, follow, to follow my mom and that legacy of having been Miss Statesville. Um, and so because a lot of women compete at Miss North Carolina for years and years and years and years, and they never win, or they maybe win on their last try, and maybe, you know, five years ago they represented their hometown, and now they're representing an area that's very far away from where they actually are from, um, and, and that's perfectly fine. But for me, I wanted to bring this back to Statesville. So um, that kind of paints a picture of, of how I kind of got back involved, um, and I'm really lucky that I only had to do the, the state pageant one time, and that I got to bring that back to Statesville because I know that's something, especially following my homecoming celebration last week, um, which which you were at, which w- I was so grateful for. Wonderful time, um, wonderful time, beautiful day. <laughs> um, but that seeing how much it meant to the Statesville community really put it in perspective um, that the accomplishment is much bigger than just the crown that I'm wearing on my head. Oh, uh, you know, and actually, way, way, way back long ago, dated a young lady that went to Miss North Carolina. So I was the guy in the tuxedo oh, with yeah. the flowers. So I've been there, <laughs> seen that, and done it. Yes. And, it and it's pretty, yes. and to, to win it on your first time, uh, really kind of rare. Uh, I, I, you know, a lot of those girls, two, three, four times, you know, they'll they'll go at it till finally mm-hmm. it's their turn, and so very impressive, very impressive. And and uh, folks, you. the other Sunday, whenever we did have the homecoming, uh, uh, I guess party we'll call it for Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, she put on a, a heck of a performance. So gifted, <laughs> a very talented young lady can Thank sing, you. very very beautiful voice, and very impressed. That Thank was the first you. time I had really got to hear you sing, and I thought, wow. Uh, you know, I, I see. I can see Broadway in your future real easy, or any of the other <laughs> things. Who knows what the sky's the limit uh, for you, or not even that. So, um, and, and you know, it's being seeing everything. We got a break here. We got to take like ten seconds, so uh, we'll get back. But Danny right. Davis, now Ryan Pagars, uh, a lot of people pushing. So just hang tight, Taylor. We'll come back. We got strong. 
All right. We're back here for the last part of the show. We got about 15 minutes. We're going <laughs> to we're back here talking to Miss North Carolina, Taylor Lloyd. Taylor, you still with yes. us? Yes, I am. All right. Sorry I had to take these breaks, but bills have to be paid, unfortunately. So that's the way oh, it works yeah. in the world. But, <laughs> hey, all right. Now, every young lady that wins uh, all these different pageants, there's a platform, we mm-hmm. call it. And, and basically, yes. it's, it's something, an initiative you want to set forth and, and do during your reign. So tell us a little bit about your platform for Miss North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My community service initiative or platform is called Healing Hearts Through the Arts. I began work with that formally in about 2015, um, and I established as a 501c3 nonprofit in 2018. But the events that kind of led me to to creating this and starting this project um, were were around 2008, 2009. Um, for those of you that have been involved in the community for a long time, my younger brother, Preston, was involved in a traumatic lawnmower accident. And he, and he was four years old. I was seven. I was there that day. And he spent three months at Levine Children's Hospital in Charlotte mm. and was in a coma for a month. And so there was not a lot of recreation or activity um, that, that was available to him, especially being in a coma, of course. But we were able to play music for him so he could keep some of that brain function. Um, and, and then when he was out of the coma, you know, using art and things like that, were it, that helped him regain some fine motor skills. When he had to relearn how to do everything, relearn how to walk, relearn how to talk. Um, and, and so that was really a challenging i mean that i mean it's an understatement to say that that was a challenging time for our oh, family yeah. um the the amount of grief that we all endured not knowing if he was going to make it to the end of the week um and so not just for preston in his medical recovery being able to use music and art to help him um but also for me like i said i was there the day the accident happened i remember it and so when you're seven years old and you're not even old enough to watch a scary movie, right? What, what, where do you, where do you, how do you cope with when you see something so heartbreaking happen to somebody that you love? And so for me, I found that I could express myself and put, put words to the feelings I had um, through using music and art. And so on a very basic level, going to voice lessons and dance class, allowed me to keep some of the normalcy in my life. But on a much greater level, it allowed me to express myself when I didn't even know what I was feeling or how to feel it. And so because the community support was so great for, for what happened to Preston and, and everything after, it was really important to me to give back because I really believe that things that we go through in life are not just for ourselves. There are things for us to, to learn and grow through um, and to help other people so the next person that experiences something like you did can have maybe just, just a little bit easier of a time getting through it. And that's really the, the crux of Healing Hearts Through the Arts. It's not just that you have to use music and art if you're having a bad day or you're going through a tragedy, but it's that 
um, that accessibility to the resources that we know that science tells us that it works, right? And so um, knowing that we can use music and art not just to feel better if we're having a bad day, but to to emotionally cope um, using those projective canvases and also for our brain function to be um, to be assisted. Um, <clears throat> those are all things that really kind of work into what I am trying to promote. So I'm, I'm really fortunate. I've been able to raise, um, you know, nearly $10,000 for, for wow. healing hearts through the arts over the years. Um, and about 7,000 music and art supplies have been donated, collected and donated um, to hospitals, to veteran centers, to <clears throat> underserved communities um, around North Carolina and beyond. I even was able to, um, you know, visit a, a school in Nicaragua and bring them some items. Um, and so, especially when we think about the uh, the stigma around the mental health conversation, obviously, I mean, I'm a tough girl. I've been through a lot, but I also am somebody that has an anxiety disorder. Um, I have ADHD. And so, no, that doesn't mean that I'm nervous all the time and I'm tapping my leg all the time, but it just means that I have a greater sense of awareness of, of what makes me feel um, what makes me feel good, what makes me feel um, upset or nervous. And so having more information about myself in that way um, has even made my connection to my platform even stronger because I'm personally benefiting from it. Um, you know, you can't sell somebody something that you, you wouldn't use on yourself, right? That's right. Um, and so, so for me, understanding that we can use music and art as a way to open the door to the conversation of better mental health and wellness, whether or not you have been diagnosed with anything, um, but to open the door to that conversation and remove some of the stigma because everybody deserves to have resources that make them feel good about themselves, to make them feel like they can get through the day, no matter what it is they're going through. If you had a really bad meeting at work or if you are going through a family tragedy, um, it's something that speaks to everybody. And, and that's what's really important to me. Um, is, is really making sure people know what's available to them, and it doesn't take a lot to do a lot. Well, you know, I've heard them talk a lot about PTSD with with veterans coming back and to, to just Absolutely. be able to put the headphones on and, and and go to music and zone out, you know, that, that, that just yeah. to get to, to get to a better place. So I, I, and that's yes. that's the thing with mental health. We're trying to figure out how to get people to a better place from where they are now. Yes. Well, yeah. I, and that's a great platform, I, and I, I see you've been working hard at it, and I know you'll put that out there this coming year. Um, of course, we got something big coming sometime. We don't know when, but we got a pageant, another pageant, Miss America. Yes. Uh, yes. Have, have we heard any info as far as where it might be held at, or, or I guess Atlantic City maybe? Or is it held at the same place every time, or? So it for a long time, you know, the pageant started in 1921 in Atlantic City. Atlantic City is its is its home, uh, but headquarters is now based in Florida. Mm. So um, you know, we have a couple spots that that because of what we know of where our leadership is based, that yeah, sure, we might be in Florida, we might be in Atlantic City, we might be you know anywhere in the United States. And um, so I think that because. For those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Miss America, of course, with anything that's been around for over 100 years, there's a lot of change and there's a lot of growth uh, opportunity there. And so we recently 
um, had a leadership change to Robin Fleming, who is our new CEO or Chief Empowerment Officer. Mm. Um, and she really is just doing an incredible job of making the brand, unifying the brand, first of all, um, but also making us feel really special, I think is, is important because, yeah, it is a job. But, you know, she takes the time to communicate not just with us state title holders and state leadership, but also with the local committees um, in, in what her vision is. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have that local pageant, you can't make it all the way to Miss America. Um, and so it's really been wonderful kind of seeing her vision take flight. Um, so, no, we don't know exactly when it's going to be, but I am really trusting in the fact that they're wanting to make it a wonderful experience for us. And so I would much rather wait a little bit longer um, knowing that they're doing everything they can to, to make sure that it's a, an amazing experience for us rather than just rush into to dates and location um, with, if it hasn't really been intentionally thought through. And so that intentionality is something that I'm really grateful for in our new leadership. And I'm really excited to see um, what else they have in store for us. Um, of course, I, I'm really antsy to meet all of my Miss America sisters. We have a big group chat. Um, and we, we stay in contact. And so having that network of women in every single state um, is, is really cool. But now I can say I know somebody from every state. So if I'm stranded in the middle of, you know, whether it be Ohio or South Dakota, um, I actually got to meet Miss North Dakota um, about a month ago um, that I know – I, I know that there's somebody that's got my back no matter where I am, which is just real. I mean, it's just really cool. It's just yeah. really exciting. That is. Good networking. Good network. All right. Got about 30 seconds or so, maybe a little bit more than that, maybe a minute. Um, awesome. How do we follow you through this journey, Taylor? Is there somewhere or another on social media we can fo be followers of? What do you have? Anything? Yes, absolutely. So um, on Facebook, if you look up Miss North Carolina, uh, it just it's Miss North Carolina is the name of the Facebook page, um, and my profile picture is uh, it says Miss North Carolina in bold uh, gold font. Same thing on Instagram. If you look up Miss America NC or Miss North Carolina, I'll pop up. Um, but also, if anybody um, has any specific questions, my email is taylor at missnc.org. Um, and I'm happy to connect with people in our community, whether it be through events and opportunities in that way, um, or just to, to share the message of Miss America and empowering women to lead. All right. Well, Taylor, it's been great having you on. i got to do a prayer. You can stay on the line with me or if you want to hang up. But I you always close the show with a prayer, so, and I'm going to put you in it. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, you, we pray that you watch over Taylor as she travels all across this state and all across this nation. Be with her. Keep her safe, Lord. And just lead and guide her in her daily steps. I pray you do that with all of us, especially those that are elected. Dear Lord, give us wisdom. I pray everything in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Taylor. See y'all. You've been listening to North Carolina Representative Jeff McNeely. Join Jeff again next Monday morning at 11.05 for Taking Care of Iredell on News Talk WSIC. <laughs>